Let's pray. Lord, your word is perfect, reviving the soul. Your word is sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired, Lord, is your word than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter, Lord, is your word than honey and the honeycomb. Lord, help us to see the riches of your word, the value of your word. Help us to taste the incomparable sweetness of your word and grant us life by it, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Do you ever wonder why God didn't make us a little more efficient? Why he didn't design our bodies to be a little more efficient with with, with our use of time? I mean, one thing that always just has, has amazed me is just how much sleep we need. Right? A third of our lives, basically, is what we need to sleep in order to function as human beings should function. Uh, we can do better than that, right? We can, we can design a car, one tank of gas, it goes quite a ways. But I've got to eat three meals a day. I can charge my phone for an hour, and it'll last for quite a while. But, but this needs regular meals, it needs sleep, right? A lot of sleep. Why? Couldn't God have designed us differently so that we, we didn't need so much? We, we are so needy, aren't we? Um, and the older you get, the more that you realize that. Some of you are laughing at me right now, right? You just wait. You just wait. Um, we're needy. We are so needy all the time. Um, but that, that's the point, isn't it? God didn't design us to, you know, make this great machine and then set it running and not have anything to do with it anymore. He made us for himself. He's, he's the creator, full of eternal life, the source of all life. And he makes creatures, he makes you and me in his image, needy so that we are always close to him, so that we need him, so that we enjoy, we, that we enjoy him and, and, and that we, we, we taste his fullness, we taste his sufficiency, we live by his life, not our life. So this neediness, this is, this is part of being human. It's part of being creatures rather than the creator. So we have, we have, we're needy people, and we're needy because he made us creatures. And, and that's just a fact of our existence, that we are not the creator, we're creatures. Um, but our neediness runs deeper than that, doesn't it? Creatures is sort of the, the, the base level, but then it gets lower and lower from there. Um, because we're not just creatures, we're creatures who are living in a world where everything has gone wrong. Everything has gone wrong. Sin has come in, our own fault has come in, and it's twisted and it's, it's, it's messed up everything. We have sin in our hearts, and it messes up our own life, it messes up our own mind, it messes up our own priorities, it messes up our families, our relationships. And so the need just keeps on ballooning. And then not only sin, but the consequences of sin, the curse that's on humankind because of Adam's and our sin, that doesn't, you know, that, that just exacerbates the need. The need, the need keeps going. We're, we're plagued with, with, uh, with, with, with um, frustrations, with, with the miseries of this life, where everything's constantly just about to fall apart and spin out of control. So much of the time, wars and earthquakes and famines and floods and droughts and and cancer and Alzheimer's and the list just goes on and on and on. Um, as we as we think about all this, right. Um, and then as we try to think, okay, well, what's the solution? How, how do we meet this, this massive neediness in ourselves? 
right? We, we try to find ways to do that, but we find that we can't. And the more we try to meet it ourselves, the more the, the, the problem get the, the worse the problem gets. And and then we if we start looking lifting up our heads from our own problems and looking at other people's needs, it just gets scarier and scarier. There, there's so many needs in here and out there. How how can I meet any of them? Um, I'm not sufficient to handle my own problems. How can I handle anyone else's too and help them in theirs? Um, loved ones, this is all true of us. It's true of us even as disciples of Jesus Christ that we uh, so often forget His sufficiency and we get limited by our own neediness. Um, as, as we think about what He's called us to do, um, we get a distorted picture of things and, and we start to just look at things through this lens of our neediness rather than through the lens of his sufficiency. We get boxed in by the boundaries of our own unbelief and our minds. And, 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 and Christ, our Lord Jesus, our, our teacher and our master, he wants to expand your vision. He wants to expand your vision that it wouldn't be limited by your neediness, but it would actually be, be marked by uh, by his sufficiency. Um, Jesus holds out to us his sufficiency for you and your need, and he holds out to you his sufficiency for everyone's need. He comes with pity, he comes with power to save and to satisfy us with himself. That's what we're learning here in the feeding of the 5,000 from our text this morning. Um, three points. Three points as we work through this text together. The first is this. Trust Jesus' pity. In all this need, in all your need, and all the need around you, trust Jesus' pity. This is the first two verses here, verses 13 and 14. Uh, we're picking up the narrative here in, in Matthew's Gospel. Remember, uh, last week we saw that um, Herod, was, uh, Herod had John beheaded. That was a flashback. That little passage was introduced by uh, Herod hearing about what Jesus had done. And then we get the flashback about uh, John's beheading. And now we're told Jesus hears about this. He's hearing that Herod is catching wind of what Jesus has been doing. And, and uh, as well as the news about John's beheading. News which Jesus might have already have known, uh, probably if this happened earlier, as it is a flashback in the story. But anyway, Matthew's saying Jesus is responding to this news. In verse 13, we're told Jesus decides to get away for a little while, withdraw to a desolate place, right? He, he gets in a boat, and he heads across the Sea of Galilee, is looking for a quiet place. We're not told why. It could be he's grieving for a John. John was his cousin. John, John was a kindred spirit. Uh, John was proclaiming, preaching the coming of the kingdom, just as Jesus was. Uh, John was. John was his forerunner. John was pointing people to Jesus and saying, he's the one. Who is to come? The Lamb of God come to take away the sin of the world. And, and Jesus, Jesus thought highly of John. One text yesterday says he's the greatest man ever born of woman. So he's grieved uh, over, over John's martyrdom. So maybe he's withdrawing to grief for a little while. Um, uh, maybe he's also withdrawing because he, Herod has heard about what Jesus is doing. And so he knows uh, it's not time for me to, to, to be... Uh, uh, persecuted and crucified, yeah, I need to back off the gas, I need to slow things down, I need to move away so that things quiet down a little bit because it's not time for, 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 for Jesus to die yet. And Jesus is, is keeping a close eye on that, so maybe he's trying to pull back a little bit uh, from, from the public view. But whatever his reasons are, maybe all these things, um, 
His goal in verses 13 to 14 is clear. He's looking to get some space, uh, some quiet, some rest. There's this wonderful picture here of, of his true humanity. He's, he's very God of very God. He's also very man of very man. Um, he's not Superman. He gets hungry. He gets worn out. He gets tired. And he, he, needs, he recognizes this about himself. He recognizes his creatureliness, his neediness himself as a creature. And he knows, I need to get some rest. Loved ones, he's setting us an example here. That it's, it's not wrong for us. It's not sinful for us to say, I, I, really, I really need to say, I'm going to step back from a few things and get some rest. Um, if we never do that, it, we're not acknowledging the way God made us. We're living in rebellion against the way he made us. Our Lord Jesus himself said, I need to get some rest and some quiet and some away. And so that's a good thing for us to do as well. Um, Jesus seeks out this reprieve wisely. Um, But he gets across the lake. He steps out of the boat. 5,000 men, probably 5,000 women, probably 5,000, 10,000 children. I mean, massive crowd there waiting for him as he gets out of the boat. They walked all the way around to be there when he got there to the place where he was going. Now, in that moment, uh, if you were in his shoes, what would be going through your mind and your heart? Um, I know what would be going through my, my heart. I'd rather not share it. Um, uh, right? Something similar to what happens when I get up early in the morning to have my quiet time. And I've got my coffee and everything's just right. And I sit down on the couch and the kids start fussing. Right? I, I, need, I need my quiet. I need, you know, I need my time with the Lord. But the Lord is saying to me in that moment, yes, I know you do, but right now I'm calling you to obey me in this way and to serve and to do what you're called to do. Now, now, now take that feeling right, and multiply it by 5,000 or 10,000 or however 20,000, however many here are in this, in this crowd with Jesus. Right? They're all there because they need him. They're full of neediness, waiting for him. Our, our, our sinful instinct when we are faced with need is to pull back from it. Self-protection. But, loved ones, Jesus' instinct is the opposite. He sees need, and the more need he sees, the more compassion he feels. The more his heart goes out. The more pity he feels. At this moment in the text, right, even though Jesus feels like he needs rest and he needs quiet, he knows as he looks out at this crowd, God is calling me right now to, put to, you know, to, to sacrifice that need and, and to keep on serving, even though, it's, even though I might need something else. Uh, this is what God is calling me to right now. Not self-protection, but, but pity for others, compassion for others. So he doesn't get back in the boat and head to somewhere else in the lake as fast as he can. He gets out and he moves among the people. And he, he, he speaks to them. He, he's teaching them. He's, he's healing them. He's giving a word here, a touch there. Jesus always moves towards neediness, not away from it. The loved ones, he did this on the shore of Galilee. He, he does this with his church still, with us. He, he does it with you in your neediness. He doesn't, he doesn't roll his eyes at your need and say, really, this is happening again. We dealt with this two weeks ago. He says, no, he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He is the living flesh and blood illustration 
of those wonderful words in Psalm 103, which say this, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. It's true of God in the Old Testament. It's true of Jesus Christ, the full revelation of God in the New Testament. He is full of compassion. As a, as, a, as a loving and tender and gentle father sees his children's pain and feels their pain more deeply than he ever feels his own, right, so our Lord Jesus Christ looks at us as a father full of tenderness and love and pity for his people. We also see here, Psalm 103, a wonderful passage, but, but beneath it, behind it in the Scriptures is the wonderful word about God's name in Exodus 34, verse 6. Uh, where God, right there on the mountain, Mount Sinai with Moses, um, making the covenant. And um, Moses says, show me your glory. God says, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. And then God passes before him and um, he says, this is what my name is. And he says to him there in Exodus 34, 6, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's who God is. That's his name. That's who he is. Full of compassion, full of love, full of tenderness for his people. And there's no discontinuity. Jesus is Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He delights in mercy. He delights to show mercy to his people. He came to seek and save the lost. So trust Him in His pity, brothers and sisters. Trust the pity of Jesus for your need. Think about your need that you trust Him with. Trust Him him to have compassion on you in, in your sin. What a need that is in our hearts, isn't it? Each of us. But He has pity on you in your, in your struggle with sin. That's not often, I think, how we naturally think of Him. Right? He is holy. He can't look on sin, and yet, and yet He looks on us and He has pity on us in our sin. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, make excuses for our sin. He's not saying, well, it's not really your fault. But, but, but He sees us in our sin. It really is your fault, but I, I love you and I, I, I feel compassion for you as you struggle with this and as you wrestle with this. What is the measure of His compassion and pity for you and your sin? It's His cross. That's how much pity and compassion He has for sinners, for you. He willingly took hell, drank the dregs of the cup of the wrath of God, right? Absorbed all the wrath of God that you deserved. He took it because He was deeply moved with compassion for you, a sinner. It's a deep mystery how a holy God can have complete compassion for sinners who are completely guilty. He's moved for our sakes. He feels his deep compassion for us. It's not, it's not because of who we are. It's because of who he is. This is his name. This is who he is. So, so trust his pity for you and your sin. Keep going to him with your sin. Keep confessing your sin, even if it's the same sin you've been confessing for ten years. Keep going and confessing your sin to him and crying out for mercy and forgiveness for him. And keep asking for him to take pity on you that he might release you more and more from the, from the feeling that sin is powerful in your life. 
that He might give you freedom from sin's, sin's power, that He would give you a broken and contrite heart, humble reliance on Him, make you poor in spirit. Keep coming to Him with that. Also trust His pity in, in, your, in your suffering. Trust, it, trust His pity in your sin. Trust, trust His pity and compassion in your, in your suffering as well. When you are hurt, and you're tempted to think, well, either God doesn't see or He can't do anything. He, either He doesn't care or, or he, He's not going to do anything about this. Um, remember Matthew 14, verse 14. When He went ashore, He saw a great crowd and He had compassion on them. When you are in pain and under the, under, under, the, under the, just the burdens of life, whatever it might be in your particular situation, He has compassion on you in it. He's full of pity on you in it. In all the grief, the broken relationships, the stress at work, the challenges that you face in your home, the daily frustrations you're dealing with, whatever sickness is going through, He has compassion on you in it. So, so take it to Him. Lord, You know my pain. You, 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 have, you have infinite compassion on me. So please, Lord, carry this with me. Walk through this with me. He will. Trust His pity in your need. Second thing, second lesson we learn from our Lord Jesus here uh, is to take Jesus' perspective. Take Jesus' perspective. Verses 15 through 17. Take Jesus' perspective. Jesus continues uh, healing and, and teaching. The day passes soon. It's evening it, it, and uh, it, it's dinner time. But no one has any food. And I, you can imagine the disciples here kind of looking around, getting kind of hungry themselves. Is, is Jesus not, does he not know what time it is? It's, it's almost supper, it's, it's supper time. We're, we're missing dinner here. Um, and, and all these people, they're going to get needier and needier because they're getting hungrier and hungrier. And, and Jesus doesn't seem to be paying attention to this. So they say, verse 15, they, they come to Jesus and they say, this is a deserted place. Right? No, 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 no Chipotle around here. This is a deserted place. So send them away to the villages that they can get food for themselves. Notice the contrast. We're, we're, we're supposed to see the contrast here between them and Jesus. Right? The disciples see need, and what do they say? Send them away to deal with their needs themselves. There's need. We can't meet it. Send them away to meet their own needs. What does Jesus say in response? In the text, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. In the Greek, the you is emphatic. You yourselves, you do it. This is on you, disciples, to feed them. Your responsibility to meet their needs, not push them away to meet their own needs. The disciples write, um, Jesus, we only have five loaves and two fish. Five thousand men, dinner time. Five loaves and two fish. All these children, all these women as well. They don't have the resources to do what Jesus is asking them to do. Um, but what should be obvious to them is that they are standing in the presence of the Messiah who is bringing the kingdom of heaven. It should be obvious to them that Jesus has the resources for this. Of course, if, if he's saying, you feed them, he's going to make it so you can feed them somehow. And he's, he has the resources for it. They, they should know this if they know their Bibles um, and if they recognize who Jesus is. Right? We read earlier, 
um, story from, uh, from, from 2 Kings chapter 4, where Elisha tells his servant to take some loaves of bread and feed 100 men. And um, um, uh, the servant says, oh, it's impossible, there's not enough food for everybody here. And Elisha says, now the Lord has said that he will provide. So they pass out the, the bread and, and it's multiplied and it feeds those, those hundreds there. And the story is Second Kings. And, and here the disciples are in the presence of the greater Elisha, the one to come, the, the great spirit-filled prophet, but they can't imagine a solution. Here they are in the presence of the one who is God himself, God with man. Shouldn't they remember the story of, of the Israelites in the wilderness? No food, complaining to the Lord, have you brought us out here in the wilderness, this desolate place to die? And the Lord says, here's bread from heaven. But the disciples miss all this. Their assessment of what is possible, listen carefully here, their assessment of what is possible is shaped by their neediness instead of being shaped by Christ's sufficiency. They're an easy target for us because we know the end of the story, but don't we act the same way? Um, we, 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 we get in a situation where the needs, ours or someone else's, they look overwhelming, and, and we look at that situation through the lens of our lack instead of Christ's fullness. We, we forget who Christ is. We forget that we're ministering in, 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 in the presence of Christ, that he's ministering through us. We get a distorted picture of things. Our, our vision gets limited by the boundaries of our own unbelief instead of expanded by the vision of what Christ can do when he calls us to do something. Um, Jesus is saying to the disciples, he's challenging us as his disciples, take this perspective. Take Jesus' perspective. Take the perspective where, where you look at need through the lens of what Christ can do, not through the limits of what you think you can't do. What, what does this look like? Um, what, does this look, what would this look like for us as a church, brothers and sisters? Um, we can say, well, we're, we're, we're a small country church. We're a five loaves and two fish kind of church. Right? And, but... What does Jesus call us to do? He calls us to the task of the church. Make disciples of all nations. uh, Preach the gospel to the lost. uh, Worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. So what if we're a five loaves, two fish kind of church? He's calling us to do it. So let's give him what we have and and ask him to bless it and trust that he will. not, not because we want to see him do something impressive here from a human standpoint, right? Um, not, not, not because we want to get a name for ourselves as a, as a church, but simply because he's calling us to serve him faithfully with whatever he's given us. And so we should, we should give it to him. We, so we should, we should look at our ministries as a church and say, are, are, we, are we giving it everything we, we, that he's given us to give? Uh, are, are we investing in it with a sense that he will bless it for his purpose? Are, are, are we looking at, for instance, our, our church budget and saying, what, what, is the, what is the most we can do? What, what is the most we can give? Being responsible stewards, never want to forget that, but what, what can we give to the, what's the most we can give, the most generous we can be to the, to the church of Christ? L- looking around at how we can invest our time as well. What do, what do we have to give? For us uh, as individuals, um, thinking about this, um, this looks like doing your work, whatever it is, 
even if it seems like small work, insignificant work in the scheme of things, doing it faithfully for the Lord. It's what he's called you to do. It's what he's given you to do. Do it for him as a faithful witness to Christ and ask him to bless it and trust him, trust him to bless it. Um, as a parent, what, is, what does this look like? He's looking at your family and realizing you're in over your head, right? Um, that, that the needs are more than you can meet. And, and, and yet, the Lord has given you himself for your family. And he's going he's gonna to be at work in your family if you humble yourself and ask him to be. So, so keep asking him. Re- recognize that even though it looks impossible sometimes for yourself or insignificant sometimes, if the Lord is in it, he will use it for his glory. Kids, kids, let me address you directly. Um, in Matthew's gospel, we don't get this part of the story, but in John's gospel, telling the same story, we find out where these five loaves and two fish came from. It was a little boy and his lunch. The disciples, they didn't have it. It was a little boy who gave it. And so there's a wonderful lesson for you here. You don't have much, right? But what does the Lord say? He says, give me what you have. And he'll use it more than you can imagine he might. So you can do things, serve in ways, write write a card for someone who's a little bit older, um, encourage your friends in, in doing the right thing, learning their memory work for Sunday school, encouraging each other in the Lord. Even as a child, you can do that. Uh, uh, seeing, thinking, thinking to yourself, how can I, how can I do my chores at home more cheerfully for my mom this week? Right? Those are little things, five loaves, two fish kind of things. But the Lord says, "Give me what you have, and I'll bless it beyond what you can imagine." So, brothers and sisters, learn to take Jesus' perspective as you look at your needs, as you look at the needs around you. Don't become boxed in by the boundaries of what you think you can't do, but look at things through the lens of what Jesus promises He will do. Give him your need. Say, Lord, I don't have it, but, but Lord, you are sufficient. You work. You work. So trust his pity. Take his perspective. Th- third lesson we, le- we learn here. Taste Jesus' provision. Taste Jesus' provision. Verses 18 through 21. In verse 18, um, Jesus asks the disciples to bring him the five loaves and the two fish uh, and then he has the crowd sit down on the grass. Then he blesses the meal. He gives it to his disciples. They distribute it to the crowds. What, 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 did, this, what did this look like? It's a, it's, it's a wonderful thing to imagine. These thousands of people sitting there. They take these five loaves and two fish, and Jesus prays over them, and they, and they start to pass them out. And, and there's, there's just enough. They keep passing the bread down further, and the, the fish, and, and there's, there's just enough, miraculously. Um, this is... This is who can do something like that? Only the God who made heaven and earth by a word brought everything out of nothing can, can do something like this. It's a tremendous display of the supernatural power of God as, as, as the Lord meets their needs here. Jesus is showing that He is God. He's showing that He's the one filled with the Spirit who is able to, 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 to do a great work of creation as He, as he brings... Uh, something out of nothing here. Um, he's also showing us a sufficiency to meet our every need here. Um, it, it, what we're seeing is, is, a, is the illustrated version of Psalm 23, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack for anything. He, he, the good shepherd brings them into the green pastures, has them sit down on the grass, and he spreads a table before them in the wilderness. 
here, and, and their cup runs over. There's an abundance. There's, there's 12 basketful left over. He gives them an abundance of good things. Jesus is saying to the crowds, if, if you trust me, you won't lack for anything. If, if I'm your shepherd, you won't lack. I'll meet your needs. We saw earlier his, Jesus, Jesus' profound pity. But, but his pity isn't just, just pity alone, right? It's pity always accompanied by power. Right? It's pity that can do something. It's compassion that can save you too. Not just feel for you, but, but, but rescue you. And as he feeds the crowds here with this bread, um, he, he's, pointing, he's pointing them, he's pointing us to himself and saying, I, I alone can satisfy your deepest needs, can meet those deep needs that you have. Right? He, the, the bread isn't just about the, the, the bread here. It's not just that he's feeding them and giving them physical food for their hunger, and they're going to get hungry again in a, in a few hours and eat another meal again. Um, Jesus is, is saying to them that he is the one who can satisfy the very deepest cravings and needs of their hearts. This comes out so clearly in John's Gospel, where Jesus says uh, after this miracle, he, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is, is, is the bread. It's pointing to him. He, he gives himself, and he satisfies. He meets the need himself. So, loved ones, what are you hungry for? Right, what do you need in your heart, deep down? What, 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 what do you need? Jesus. Do you need your sins forgiven? Um, do you have a guilty conscience that needs to be washed clean? Do you need rescue from the wrath of God which should fall on you for your sin? Jesus says, I will forgive your sins if you come to me. I'll take that. I'll take the wrath of God. You, you come to me. This is only found in him. Forgiveness, clean conscience, freedom from the wrath of God. It's only found in Jesus, in him. Do you need a record of righteousness? Do you need to stand before God, not clothed with the filthy rags of your rotten behavior? and attitudes and affections, but clothed with the righteousness, the spotless, pure righteousness of His perfect righteousness, Christ. Well, you only get that in Jesus. Do you need to be reconciled to God? Do you need someone to, to bring you to God, give you fellowship with God? Only Jesus can do that. Um, what, what, what about... What about this? Do you, need, do you need to be a child of God? Do you, need, do you need to have God as your Father? Do you need to be welcomed home by God Himself, your Maker? Brought into His home, brought into His family, uh, made, made His child, enjoy His love, enjoy the riches of an eternal inheritance from His very hand? You need that. It's what you were made for. You need that. And it's only found, it's only found in Jesus. Eternal life. Resurrection. Do you need that? Do you need the promise that one day your body will be raised up in newness of life? Only Jesus can give you that. Raise you up with a call at the last day. A word will go out and your body will rise again. Never to die. Never to get sick. Never to get old. 
but to enjoy the Lord forever and ever? Jesus promises that. He, he gives you himself that you, might, that you might enjoy that. Do you need the Holy Spirit filling your heart and giving you new life and strength for each day to, to, to put off the, the sin and, and, and put on Christ? Do you, need, do you need spiritual strength? Yes, you do. Where is it found? Not in you. Not in anybody else. In Jesus. All, all, all these things, loved ones, the, the, the riches of what God has given, all of it is found in the one who says, I'm the bread of life. I'll meet your needs and I'll satisfy you. It's all, it's all found in him. He's the prophet. He's the priest. He's the king. We could go on and on and on. We could be here for hours, right? Tasting the goodness of how Jesus meets every need in your heart. Paul says these mind-blowing words in Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everything God has to give. Every blessing in heaven is yours in Christ if you come and ask Him to give it. If you have Jesus, you have everything. Everything good. He's the one who meets the needs, who satisfies our hearts. Martin Luther's last recorded words reflect this, this deep understanding. Um, his last written words are, we are beggars. This is true. Comes to the end of his life, this great reformer. Did so much for Christ, right? And yet, yet he's there, he's humbled, he's on his deathbed. He says, we're beggars, right? This, this is true. Poor in spirit. Nothing in my hands I bring. But Christ has all. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is for those who are in Christ. Everything God has to give. So the, 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 the most important question is, do you have Jesus? You need all of this. And it's only found in Him. Do you have Him? Have you, have you tasted Him? Have you tasted His provision? And His goodness? And His salvation? Have you put your faith in Him? You say, Lord, I don't have anything. I'm full of neediness, but He has everything. Come to Jesus. Taste his provision, brothers and sisters. And then do one more thing. As you taste his provision, and, and, and as you enjoy him, and as you feel your heart, which is so empty on its own, being filled up with Christ himself, go to those around you. Don't be afraid of, of, of need around you. Like the disciples here, don't, 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 don't push people. You go meet your own needs. No, no, no. Take, remember, take Jesus' perspective. Trust His pity. Taste His provision for you. And then give that to others as well. He, 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 is, he is giving it to you so that you can then, like His disciples, carry it to others. Say, I've tasted the provision of Jesus. It has met every deep need of my heart. Now, now would you taste? Um, so, so take it to others. Not, not because you, can, you think you can do something for them and their need but because you know that Christ can move towards need like Jesus. Move towards it. Don't move away from it. Look, look around. Who's the needy person in the pew behind you, in front of you, beside you? The one who isn't plugged in. The, the one who's grieving. Move towards them because of Jesus' provision for you. Uh, uh, look, look around your neighborhood. Who, who's the neighbor 
who, who, who has these needs. Well, they all do. Move towards the need with Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for the abundance, the sufficiency of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you'd grant us faith to trust and to taste and to enjoy and to live in him. And Lord, give us grace to move towards need with Christ himself, offering him freely to sinners. Lord, we pray that you do this uh, by your awesome power by which you are able to subdue all things to yourself. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.